This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Welcome to CBO Speaks, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is for you to gain greater insight into the challenges and rewards of the Chief Business Officer role. Find out more from today's episode at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I am very excited to be joined today by Robert D. Flanagan Jr., better known as Danny, Vice President for Business and Financial Affairs and Treasurer at Spelman College. Welcome, Danny. Thank you very much, Megan. I'm glad to be here. I wonder if you could start out today by sharing the story of your personal path to becoming a CBO. It sounds like you've been at Spelman for the bulk of your career as a CBO, but I wonder if you could tell us how you got there. Uh, yes, Megan, uh, I came to Spelman in 1971, I believe. And prior to that, uh, I had graduated from college in 19, December of 1969. Went to work for an accounting firm, international accounting firm called Arthur Anderson and Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started working for Arthur Anderson and Company and they kept me in Chicago and in Florida, most of the time that uh, I worked there. And I kept insisting uh, on my engagement partner that he give me an in-town assignment because I was tired of traveling. And so finally, uh, he called me uh, down in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and said, I have the assignment for you. It's here in Atlanta, and it's at Spelman College. And I said, okay. So I came to Spelman College and, and did a job. It was a job that the president hired us to do. And once I finished the job, I left. Uh, and the job was around internal control processes and positions at Spelman. And so we wrote an internal control process and also created several new positions that we recommended to the president, one of which was an assistant controller. So I went away, and about two or three months later, I started getting calls from the president of Spelman, and I didn't have no idea what he wanted. And so I finally answered the phone and talked to him, and he said that I want to give you a job at Spelman as assistant controller. And I said, you can't afford me. And he asked, (laughs) how much money did I make? And I told him. Uh, and so he increased his salary by $1,000, and he said, will you come to work? And I said, let me think about it. So I went back to Arthur Anderson again and asked to, to be assigned to in-town assignments, and they said no, that I would be on the road because I was single. And I said, fine. So I took a job at Spelman, and I came to Spelman with the understanding with myself that I would only be here for three years and I would move on. <laughs> Every three years, making from that point until 1996, I, would, I received a promotion from Spelman and more money and more responsibility. And in 1996, I was finally offered a job as vice president and treasurer of the college, which was the CFO position. And I've been in this job ever since. Wow. What a great story. So you, you sort of kept your promise to yourself that three years you would move on, but you didn't move on from the university. 
Right. I moved up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And Did- so now, I, since I've got my last promotion in 1996, people ask me what is next. And I said to them, Spelman is a women's college. So I am at the glass ceiling. I explained <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. Well, so back in those early days when you first took that job with Spelman, did you have your eyes set on a CBO position at all? Or were you thinking, I'm, I'm really only going to be here for a little bit and then I'm going to go find something else to do? You know, um, when I got to Spelman, I was never interested in the CBO role because I watched the guys and the, the one lady who was my boss is in front of me. And they worked long hours. They worked hard. And, uh, and I was not interested in doing that. And probably it was in 1977 or 78, there was a gentleman who I reported to who was leaving Spelman. He was a business manager. And he told me that I was a natural for the CLFO job and I should pay attention to it. And I sort of listened to him, but, you know, I didn't worry about it too much. But then as things changed at Spelman, as things advanced, and as this profession began to change, it began to look more like industry responsibility. And I really began to get some 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 interest in it. And so I started going to lots of seminars sponsored by Nakubo. And I hooked up with people uh, whose names are like Gene Smith, who was the vice president up at Memphis State University, which is now, I believe, the University of Memphis. Uh, Casper Harris, who was the CFO over at Howard University and who eventually became the president of Nakubo, uh, uh, probably two presidents ago. And there were other gentlemen, Fred Vorsinger out of the University of Arkansas, that I began to 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 listen to, mentor with, and learn a lot from, and really became interested in this business and thought it was just a natural for me. You brought up that you saw the role of the CBO change during your tenure at Spellman. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. You know, when when I was working for the people that uh, were business managers and CFO at Spellman in my younger days, Megan, they were probably confined to balancing the books, writing general ledgers, and writing financial reports. I mean, they were truly accountants, and that's what their response was. They were not engaged with the community. They did not talk to the faculty very much. They did not uh, deal with the students rather than – they just, should I say, collected student accounts. They collected the, the the debts that the uh, students owe to the college for, for, for being here. And then as things began to change, I began to see the C- CFO as a partner to the president and the board and to the other vice presidents where we got engaged in strategic planning where you you had to go out and hire people just to keep the books because being the CFO was a much broader um, uh arena of responsibilities. For an example, if you compare the CBO or the CFO in colleges to industry norms of chief operating officer, you find lots of similarities, strategic planning, managing things outside of accounting, uh, getting involved with the faculty with regards to thinking about future programs and et cetera, get involved in the external world uh, with regards to, to donors and, uh, and those kinds of things, much, much broader than when I first got into this industry. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you're an accountant by training, but you 
there are lots of other skill sets that come in to the role that made it attractive to you. What are one of those skill sets that you feel like you've relied on very heavily throughout your career that you feel is important for every successful CBO to have? You know, I've relied on my accounting and finance skills that I received in undergraduate and graduate schools significantly as I carry out the, the fiscal responsibilities of, of the college. But Megan, one of the things that I have found, and uh, my mother told me this when I was a young guy, that I am a people's person. And I find it very important to be able to interact, discuss, and talk to all kinds of folks from all parts of life, whether it be faculty members, parents, and et cetera, and go beyond being just a finance and accounting person. I had a, a gentleman who I mentored with uh, in public accounting when I was at Arthur Anderson and Company, and he told me that the secret of being a good finance person was being able to talk to the common man or the common woman in a language they, that they understood while implanting or imparting the technical knowledge associated with being finance. Mm -hmm. So I, I sort of thought about that and thought about that. So my biggest strength is that I can talk to anybody about anything, and I learn how to listen very well. And by listening, you learn a lot. And is that something as you are seeing people come up through the ranks, whether it's at Spelman or at other colleges that you look for as well in, in people? Like, what are some of those skill sets that you feel are really important outside the ones that you've just d discussed? Or how, how do you recognize that in, in other people? Well, you know, I, I talk to, to lots of folk around the country, uh, lots of people who are in finance and accounting and, and, and CFOs or CBOs and et cetera. And, you know, one of the things that I find in common about all of us is that we 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 stretch beyond our boundaries. Uh, we, 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 we get involved in strategic planning. We get involved with faculty in, de, in, de, in designing or trying to understand new curricula so that we can cost it out. Uh, you know, you have to learn to listen. You have to make sure that you play an important part in the, in the strategic undertakings of the college and participate with vice presidents, the president, and, and, and other leaders within the institution. And I find that more and more among colleagues that I talk to, what I find difficult, Megan, is when I talk to a, a CFO who's young and, and, and upcoming, and all they think is important are what we call debits and credits, and that is not the way of the world. As I say to them, you can buy, you can hire anybody to control debits and credits for you, but you have to be unique in order to think beyond those the parameters of just debits and credits. You've you've mentioned mentors several times already in our conversation. How talk a little bit about mentors in your professional career? Who were your mentors, and what do you think you learned from them? Okay. Well, you know, I mentioned earlier, I, I mentored on the people like uh, Barney Lill. Barney Lill was from, I, I believe, from the state of Mississippi. I think he was associated with Alcorn College. And Barney was a guy that I learned how to better interpret financial data and use it to my advantage to help uh, shape policy within an institution. Casper Harris, uh, who was a CFO at Howard University, was a guy that I, I listened to and learned a lot from. And as I said before, he eventually became president of Nakubo. He was a chairman of the board at one point. Then he became uh, president of Nakubo. Casper was a CPA, a, a lawyer, and a certified financial analyst. And I think he worked for Price Waterhouse. 
Casper taught me a lot about how to deal with faculty, how to get along with faculty, how to listen to their concerns, the fact that they were sometimes single-minded and singly motivated on some subject matter. Casper also taught me and mentored me on how to deal with the president and the board of trustees, telling me always, always remember that the president works for the board and not the CFO or the CBO, and that we can listen to the board, but we always had to carry out the needs and the goals of the president, uh, him or herself. Um, and then I, I learned from Gene Smith how to move a, 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 around the college or university and, and to get along with faculty, to get along with staff, to deal with students, to deal with the president, to deal with the board, to deal with alumni, and how you took all those constituents and, and sort of listened to them jointly, but figure out common ways that you could bring them all together to speak the same term. And so those were some of the, 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 the mentors that influenced me significantly during my uh, career here as a CFO. And did you, was this a formal mentorship relationship or were these just people that you met that you would pick up the phone and call when you found yourself in a tight spot? Well, Megan, they were, they were gentlemen. Uh, and I must say there's a lady, Mary Lay, who is from Long Island University uh, that also influenced me. But these were people that knew that I was looking at them as examples. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be like them. I was mentoring with them. And yes, when I got into trouble or got into some problem that I didn't quite understand how to deal with, I would call them and seek their advice. And one of the things that I found out in this industry is that we all could come from small colleges or large universities and et cetera. But the problems and the complexities around the problems are basically the same. It's just the scope that's different depending on how big or how small the university or college might be. And how do you feel that you support other CBOs as a mentor yourself? Well, you know, I talk to them by telephones. Um, I call them up sometimes and ask them about things that I see happening in education. Uh, I partner with them when I go to conferences and we discuss subject matter and et cetera. Um, I call them when we're doing strategic planning to ask about how, how they coordinate some of these efforts. Um, and so uh, a lot of the CBOs that I, I mentor with, I, I, just, I found them doing the accreditation processes, whether it was in the Western Association, North Central Association, or Southern Association, because I've done work for all of those. Mm. And I have just found that, um, to my surprise, that I have been exposed to sometimes to more issues uh, and types of issues than some of my colleagues from across the country. As you're looking back over your career and your, your tenure as a CBO, can you think of any pivotal moments that you think really changed what it means to be a CBO, That really something that really changed the role? You know, one of the most important things that happened to me in my career was that I became the president of the Southern Association of Colleges and University Business Offices. And there, there are probably eight or 900 schools within the Southern Association. And then I got a chance to, to, to really uh, experience different and variety of people, men and women, black and white, uh, from various schools throughout the South. And to understand, you know, some of the issues that they were dealing with uh, and how really important the CBO had become to the survival of universities and colleges. Uh, that was really impressive. And, you know, I was in big universities and I was in small colleges, but having exposure to over 900 business officers through 
the Accreditation Association and through the Business Office Association was really sort of mind-boggling for me. I learned a lot. And to that point, when you look around at colleagues, maybe your mentors or people you are mentoring with, what do you say? What would you say is the biggest challenge that faces all CBOs, no matter where they are and what school they're at right now? Uh, I would say that the biggest challenge is, is is knowing how to integrate into the college community and to really get involved in the strategic plan and the, and, and the rounding uh, of the future of the, of the institution. I mean, some CBOs just want to be accountants and finance people, but that role has long passed us. <laughs> so you think it's just being being well-rounded and juggling all of those pieces that come from being part of a complex organization in a complex role? Yes, I do. And in fact, sometimes I, I talk to colleagues, and so the bridge between the community, the president, and sometimes the other vice presidents is the, is the CBO because he or she has the potential to have knowledge of all the areas for which these people represent and will understand how to do cross-fertilization, if I may use those words. What what's what's the hardest thing? What do you, what do you see people struggling with though in that in that role in that complex interconnected web? What do you think is a commonality there? Well, you know, you you look at all colleges and universities, and we all have expanded, expanded, expanded in use. And I think the only time we we began to retract was probably two thousand eight and two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. When we had this dire financial crisis in the country, I think we began to expand again. And I think one of the things that all CBOs wrestle with is how do you balance expansion between retraction? And when do you tell people a program is a go versus a non-go? And how do you convince people that these programs are are not self-sufficient or not not can't pay for themselves. I think that's a real issue. It sounds like it would be for for anybody having to deliver that sorts that sort of strategic news. Yes. What are you doing now, Danny, that you never imagined you'd be doing 10 years ago? You know, 10 years ago, I would say that probably in this country, a mo- most CFOs and CBOs had the ear for the president had more power than most other vice president was was big person, big man, a big woman on the campus. Ten years later, I, I would say that our role has now been equalized. We're just we're just a member of a team. Um, we don't have we have a voice that sometimes can be larger uh, than the other voices. But again, you have to know how to to sort of. Um, control that voice and, and, and be the voice of reason and, and, and but the voice of knowledge. I see that as one issue. Uh, ten years ago, I would say that we were not as involved, as involved in the strategic uh, making of uh, future goals of the institution. Mm. And we, we as CBO seem to be more involved in that now. I would say ten years ago, we were not as community-focused as we are now. I mean, so now you don't, not only do you worry about the internal functions of, of your college university on the campus, but you have to worry about your relationships with the external community. You know, the, the people who actually don't go to your university, you have to worry about the development of communities around you so that you have a very attractive in uh, college or university environment on your campuses. I mean, years ago, I wasn't worried about the fact that we had, public housing surrounding this university. 
of this college. Mm-hmm. Now I am. And so I have been very deliberate in my efforts to try to to move that with the appropriate government agencies and et cetera and rebuild this community. Uh, Ten years ago, I wasn't doing that. So now you're into economic development as well. Yes, I am. <laughs> now, I, I, I am smart enough to know what I don't know. So I hire lots of community development, economic development professionals to be around me. Right. But you still have to understand the basics uh, yes, and the high level strategy for sure. Yes, I do. Interesting. Anything else you'd like to share today that I've neglected to ask you? Uh, you know, Megan, I think you have been uh, very thorough. Uh, the only thing I will say is that um, I have been in my job for a long time. Um, I love what I do. I love interacting with my staff. Uh, and I love interacting with my colleagues from the greater community. And so I will probably keep continue to do this for at least several more years before I decide to go off into retirement world. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Danny, for sharing your time today and just a snapshot of your career. What a fantastic representation of, of what it means to be a CBO. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Megan. My pleasure. You can find out more about Danny and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks and iTunes so that you'll get the latest episode instantly. And on behalf of Danny and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education.